never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. week's episode of the top five report the podcast that has protectors we have lanterns we have kryptonians we will not fall restore the snyderverse my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here hey man Um, hey what's up (laughs) um so uh, i i take it and you know we've talked about this last week we we're, we're jumping in there's really no way to say it. Um, there's a lot of excitement around this. If you're following the internet at all, if you're on the internet, my phone, like I can't open Twitter or Instagram or anything else without a bombardment of Snyder versus Snyder cut crazy nonsense happening right now since the release of the movie. Um, and we're going to break that down for you. It's it's getting to the point where it's hard to follow. So I'm going to kind of readers digest a lot of this news tonight. Um and we're going to change up the show a little bit. A lot of the times we do the list on the back end. We're kind of going to do our list towards the front end tonight because it's all going to be rolled into one giant thing tonight. Um, so, yes, we will be talking about the Snyder Cut. Yes, Peter and I have both seen the movie. You've seen it, right, Pete? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> it yeah. makes this this list a little hard if I hadn't seen it, but <laughs> I probably could manage, honestly. Yeah, I really right. liked that part in the trailer where yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, but exactly. yeah. Um, so we are, um, so the way I look at it is we're going to, we're, we will be reviewing it. We're just going to cover some normal show business first. So Peter, what are we watching? What are we reading? Let's get into it right away. So yeah, there's, uh, the Snyder cut came out and then there was also another pretty big comic book, uh, TV show that started this weekend as well. Um, and I watched that and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is I actually did get a chance to watch uh, Batman Dying is Easy. That's oh. the that's the one you watched last week, right? Yeah, that was that Internet fan film I told you to check out. So what do you think? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was awesome. Um, I did want to say because I asked you about it last week and I think you didn't know, but the uh, production studio or I don't know you, what you would call it, but the people who made that film, uh, it's called Bat in the Sun. It's a like a YouTube channel um, slash production studio, I guess. But they okay. also do the I don't know if you've watched any of the super power beatdown uh, shorts that they do, um, but it's essentially like it'll be a short film that will be like who would win in a fight like Wolverine or the Predator. And then they make a short like 10 to 15 minute fight scene about uh, basically based on that. So they just get really good level cosplays and like really awesome choreography and it's just kind of a it's a really cool thing that they've been putting out on youtube for a couple of years that it's just really well done you know oh, nice. fan film fight scene so when you did mention it i did see bat in the sun bat in the sun the uh, studio online posting stuff about the the this fan film but i just hadn't had a chance to watch it but when you mentioned it last week i thought 
that might be the bat and the sun one that they put out. But uh, this this movie, Batman Dying is Easy, I was really impressed from like the production level was great, but I was really impressed by the big name actors that made appearances in it. Um, I know, like Michael Madsen, for example. <laughs> absolutely. And um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Doug Jones, is that his name? The guy who played like Abe Sapien. He played the Riddler in this. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I thought it was funny. Um, uh, yeah, just I, I just was kind of really impressed with that. And then I guess I, I just thought it was funny that most of the uh, most of the film actually wasn't very action packed. Like it all it almost all centered centered around this dialogue, uh, like this heated dialogue between Batman and the Joker, where Joker was trying to convince Batman to kill him because the Joker was sick, is sick with some kind of disease and he wants to be taken out by Batman instead of dying from, you know, a, de- a disease. And uh, I was really impressed by the fact that it's one of those things where the it's like a half an hour long and it was one of those things that ended. And I was surprised. I was like, wow, like, you know, 20 something minutes has passed. Like it felt like nothing. And like I said, there's not a lot of action besides at the beginning. And so I was really impressed with how how well I got immersed into that whole dialogue between Batman and the Joker, where it just felt like, you know, it's one of those things like, wow, that much time has had passed. So that's just kind of a testament to how much I enjoyed that short film. So I just thought it was awesome overall. So I wanted to mention that. And uh, Drew, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about it that you couldn't say last week since I hadn't seen it, or if you're just kind of on the same page, like it's really cool. Everybody should watch it when they get the chance. Um, a little bit of the latter, more of the, it's really cool. Everyone should watch it. But the one thing that I found really engaging was that conversation with Batman and the Joker. And then I loved the idea how Batman kind of made the Joker think he was like the Joker tells you he's dying. So mm-hmm. the Joker wants Batman to kill him. Just be like, make it poetic justice. Like, will you just take me out? Like it's the one it's my dying wish. And Batman's like, <laughs> dying because I've been tricking you the whole time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That, that was great. You know, it's just, that's a, it's just a conversation. I don't think you get in comic books. Uh, normally, or at least something like you haven't seen in Batman yet. And it's like, oh man, that I was just so engaged with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, everyone should watch that. Uh, did you watch anything else or do you want to talk winter soldier real quick? Cause I watched, yeah, Falcon yeah I watched, uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. I've been calling it Faws, like F A W S. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else will start doing it, but that's my thing. Um, but no, yeah, I watched it. It was really awesome. Uh, what are you thinking about the show so far? So I loved the opening and I kind of liked getting back with these characters and all that. But I watched it in this Snyder cut high. <laughs> so my review of it was just kind of like, OK, I'm down for more, but I wasn't like blown away. I wasn't like it wasn't where I was like super excited for the next episode. I was just like, okay, do you guys want to watch the Snyder cut again? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's and I feel bad. But for once, DC is kind of shining in the sun right now, and I love it. So uh, (laughs) I I see what you did there, Jor-El. Let's put it. Let's put it this way. I am very into this show, I been Falcon and the Winter Soldier was the one I was the most excited about. And when they listed out their um, uh, show list for Disney Plus, so I'm down, I'm in. I just felt very, it felt um, not as 
epic as I wanted it to, but I was coming off of the Snyder cut when I watched it. Like I was still in the, like I watched it a couple days later. Like I watched the Snyder cut and then a couple days later I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier because I didn't want it to deter my opinion. I mean, it's, it's a, oh, keep going. I just came out of it going, that was good. I'm in, but wow, is it not what I wanted right now? You know, like, (laughs) I feel like, yeah, I feel like this episode was just setting up where uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are at right now, but did feel really real world because it's dealing with like uh, Bucky's, um, you know, PTSD and stuff like that. And uh, the Falcons like financial hardships with his parents <laughs> business and stuff. And it did feel like I guess I think we all expected it to kind of be like this sort of uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier level sort of thing where they're just going straight into crazy like military operations and it was going to be really bombastic, which I mean, the opening scene was. But after that, it did get really real world. But I do I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way the episode ended, I think, redeemed that a lot in where we know that this is going to go into some crazy paths and uh, kind of the uh, political levels of betrayal. Almost, I want to say we see at the end are pretty it's pretty cool. And then I really like the uh, what are they? The flag smashers, the flag bashers. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. What was the group that they were fight? That was uh, yeah, kind I'm, of a terrorist organization. It's so close that it's making me draw a blank on the name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But but What's I that? am interested in that group and where that story is going to go as well. Um, there's obviously going to be some more. Um, I don't know if it's it's characters who have consumed any kind of super serum but there's definitely some more super beings in the series that we'll have to look out for so i'm with you it looks promising i enjoyed it but i mean the snyder cut is really what we all cared about this week (laughs) so i know um i will say so the only other thing i watched besides the snyder cut was falcon and the winter soldier um i do want to say that i did some comic book reading um and uh so i am very behind in my comic books and i'm catching up really fast because of the DC universe infinite app um, mm-hmm. because I can basically read wherever. Um, but uh, cause I ran and got some food and I was waiting in line to get my order and I'm standing there like reading while I waited. It was kind of cool. Um, the, uh, uh, the, I just finished doomsday clock and I know I'm behind the curve on everyone. Re- For those people who do read comics. Yes, I'm behind the curve, but I just read doomsday clock. I absolutely loved it. That's the book where um, the Watchmen universe is integrated into the DC universe uh, because of the beginning of the rebirth era um, after the time rift that happened when Kid Flash came, well, Wally West came out of the Speed Force and back into the DC universe, um, the comedian's button was somehow found in the Batcave. And Batman and the Flash were like, what's this? And they started investigating. And then you find out that the Watchmen are like invading into the DC universe. And it was epic on a scale that like I didn't expect. Um, it started off very Watchmen, uh, very dark and gritty in the standard Watchmen stuff. And it's slowly, like slowly built to the DC characters. But the thing that blew my mind is if you are a Superman fan, you have to read these books. Um, like I've like I'm I've I've always liked Superman, but when I was reading this book, you you understand, you got to understand Superman's the beginning. Superman's mm-hmm. the beginning of all comic books. Like that's where it all started. The first superhero. This is everything predicates off of Action Comics number one. 
and Dr. Manhattan, because he can go through space and time, um, and he bounces back and forth and he's viewing different eras and different time periods and stuff like that. He's baffled by the fact that in 1938, he sees a rocket ship lands in Kansas and the Kents find this child and then he becomes Superman. But at this year, he becomes this. And then this year, the rocket lands. And then this year, the rocket lands. And like all these times that the rocket has hit Kansas and the mm-hmm. times that they tell us the origin of Superman over and over and over again. Um uh, Dr. Manhattan realizes that, yes, we live in a multiverse because of the multiverse theory, but he's discovering that there's a metaverse. And every time Superman is reset and the st- his story starts over, it starts a whole nother reality within the multiverse. <laughs> um, <Jeez. laughs> but when you but when you dive deeper into like his point, you're just like, oh, my God, it just, it it re- it explains every restart. It explains every iteration. It explains at like I was just completely captivated by how it was all like put together as an arc. Um, everyone should read it because the face off between Superman and Dr. Manhattan is incredible. And then what Dr. Man, the, the fallout of where Dr. Manhattan's left at the end of it is just astounding. So um, everyone who's a Superman fan needs to read those books. They're great. Um, but yeah, that I, sounds awesome. I, I, I haven't read this, but uh, I think I was like fed up with the uh, new 52 by the time the storyline came out. But I kind of want to go back and read it, especially with all the Superman stuff you just mentioned. Uh, it just well, sounds awesome. Well, this is not new 52. This picks. So new 52 ends with this is Dark. this is right after the new 52. Yeah. So new 52 okay. ends with the Dark Side War. And um, it leads into the rebirth. So you would read. So ultimately, if you really wanted to read rebirth, number one, which is where you find out about at the end of it, that's where you find out about like it's kind of like how everything reset after the 52, because it's basically like Flashpoint created this timeline or the new 52 timeline or the Flashpoint timeline. Yeah. And rebirth has to clean up from the pick up the pieces from where that timeline like shattered, I guess you could say. Uh, So Rebirth number one is a good one to read. Just Rebirth number one. You don't have to go beyond that. Um, But Rebirth number one, and then uh, you read The Button, uh, because that's where Flash and Batman start investigating The Button, the comedian's button that was found in the Batcave, and then you jump right to Doomsday Clock. Oh, cool. Okay. If if you wanted to. That's what I'm saying. Like Rebirth number one is a single issue, and then The Button is like three or four issues, and then you can go right to Doomsday Clock, because that's all Watchmen-based. The rest of it's like your standard DC timeline. So if you just wanted to read the Watchmen stuff to see how it's all predicated. Yeah, really good. Nice. Okay. Um, But yeah, all right. So we're going to talk some brief news, and then we're going to jump into our review of the Snyder Cut along with our list and more news because there's a lot of Snyder Cut. A lot of the news is Snyder Cut related. You down with that, Pete? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So first off, I'm going to try and make these stories short, too. Um, So... Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, Are you a fan of Avatar? Yeah. Okay. So they are planning uh, Avatar The Last Airbender universe is being planned with multiple movies and television shows from Nickelodeon. Um, We're in the early stages of development and exploring what we're calling an entire Avatar Airbender universe. Um, And I think the universe will encompass definitely a theatrical film, animation, certainly multiple TV series and probably multiple films. Um, so if you're an Avatar Airbender fan, um, there you go. 
No, that that sounds great. And it sounds like anybody who is let, let down by the M. Night Shyamalan Avatar movie, you know, they now have something really awesome to look forward to. But I, I just think this is a good move overall because Avatar The Last Airbender is one of those it's one of those properties that just seems to be universally loved by everybody who watches it you know i don't know like any avatar haters to be honest so i think this is a great move on their part and i hope it's all good but yeah we'll see where that one goes yeah right um yeah we'll see where that goes um i'm gonna jump to that one in a minute because that's dc related i'm saving the dc stuff for the last on purpose yeah. um okay um the last of us television show on hbo we've talked a little bit about this uh, Last of Us is a video game that's uh, a video game that's being turned into a show for HBO. Um, it's the cast has been uh, it's going to be uh, Pedro Pascal and um, the girl who played Lady Marmont will be the two leads. Oh, uh, um, I think that's really good casting for that game. I'm not a, I've never played the game, but I know enough about it that I'm going to watch this show. Uh, the creators of Last of Us for the show have directly said it's going to deviate greatly from the game story. Um, it's good to hear that up front um, because I have a feeling you're going to because you have purists out there that are very. Um, no, you do that. You do it and you do it right. And yeah. you all agree that that's what we want. Um, but they said that one of the reasons why they have to deviate is because they are basically taking a video game and adapting it to the screen. So certain liberties do have to be taken to do the drawn out story that they want to do. So they're going to have to make adjustments. So I'd rather have them tell us up front that they're doing this as opposed to it being a surprise. So the internet doesn't break going, they screwed up the last of us, you know, <laughs> and it's not that they're trying to screw it up. They're trying to do it right, but it's a video game that has to be adapted to screen. It's gotta be long form. So, yeah. And I'm always I'm I'm just thinking of uh, well knowing Last of Us like I've I've played a little bit but I've mostly watched other people play the game and it's a pretty brutal uh, survivor horror series and uh, I just I'm just thinking of that uh, Paul W S Anderson quote that we've talked about on the show I think you brought it up Drew where he was talking about when he made the first Resident Evil film how he made it different than the than the games because everybody who who has played the games already knows the games and they already know all those scares. And if you want to, you know, keep your audience and, you know, if you want to scare them and keep them in suspense, you have to change stuff. So I don't know. I'm always on the side of like, if you already have something, like if you already have a story, it, you know, they don't need to remake the same story. Like let's get something different, you know, but I know right. there's purists out there who are going to cling to, you know, it has to be the same, but I'm pretty much down for whatever most of the time. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah, we're getting real close to talking Snyder cut here. Uh, black widow finally has a legitimate date. Yeah, I did see this. Uh, okay. I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but Thank very God. cool. So yeah. here's the thing. July, <laughs> July 9th, Black Widow will hit theaters and Disney Plus on the same day. Um, Disney Plus, however, it will be a premiere access. Um, so you will have to pay for it the way you did Mulan, and then it'll be free on Disney Plus later. Um, I personally plan on going to see it in the theaters. I'll make this my first theater viewing as long as I can find it near me. And mm -hmm. then I will go from there. That's my plan anyway. 
Yeah, uh, that's I'll probably be trying to do something similar. So um, but yeah, I'm, it's awesome. We've we've been talking about this for like two years. It's finally coming out. Like, <laughs> I know that's it, awesome. Yeah, I know. I just I'm, I'm excited. So it's changing up the released window a little bit because Eternals was supposed to be the first thing out. It was supposed to go Black Widow and then Returnal Eternals. Um, so with shows, so I'm kind of curious if that's going to change storytelling a little bit. So people got to remember, um, like Black Panther, where it sits in the release order. Um, if you move the re- if you move the watching of Black Panther forward, like a couple films, the dialogue at the bonus scenes lay out better leading up to Endgame. Yeah. And um, and where it falls in terms of like when they tell you it takes place like a certain like they actually tell you that it's a week after the events of Civil War. So if you just move it just a little bit, it makes everything line up really nicely. So because mm-hmm. but you also remember that Black Panther got its release date moved back. So my thinking was just when I watch the movies, move it back to the original release date and watch and it all flows really nicely. Um, I was I was just thinking of that, honestly, because I was thinking about how I mean, we all we all love Star Wars and debating what order you have to watch a series of movies in. And because of covid with the Marvel movies coming out at different times than they were originally supposed to, that's going to be a whole new debate that we can argue with each other about. Like, okay, so you watched all the MCU, but did you watch it in the original release order or the revised release order? You know, if you want to talk about purists and when you come to to that, I honestly just listen for dialogue cues and you can tell. And if you pay real close attention to the dialogue and hang on the lines of dialogue that they speak, it's all there and they'll tell you what what order everything is, even if you want to argue, uh, even if you want to argue, you should watch Captain Marvel at the very beginning because it takes place in the 90s. No, the movie takes place in the 90s, but the bonus scene takes place right before Endgame. You can't like, <laughs> how does that work? So let's <laughs> let's figure that stuff out. Um, so I think Captain Marvel needs to be watched in the release order. But a movie like Black Panther that's directly affected in universe Put it where the original release. We can argue that another day. But my point is, <laughs> my point is the black, fact that we were supposed to get Black Widow, then Eternals. This is changing a little bit, so we're getting Black Widow, Shang Chi, then the Eternals, and then Spider Man: No Way Home. So those are the that's the new release date for 2021. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a lot to look forward to. Uh, the one thing I was going to say about our stupid order to watch movies talk is just the X-Men movies taught me. You can always default just to when the movie's released and watch them in that order. So definitely keep that in mind. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if there's more to this story or if you wanted to move on to something else, but I am excited for black widow to finally come out for sure. I know. Um, okay. So we're going to hit DC news stories couple of these are quick and then we'll be talking Snyder Cut for the rest of the night. So um, first, there is an Our Man television show in the works uh, from DC and Warner Brothers. I don't know if it's supposed to be animated or if it's supposed to be live action, but I'm guessing it's live action based on everything going on over there right now. Um, I So I just wanted to point out Our Man's coming. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a quirky property that could be interesting if they do it right. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> see about um, that one. Yeah, so casting news. Um, The Queen has leveled up to a god. Uh, Helen Mirren uh, signed on to play the villain in the upcoming Shazam sequel. Um, Shazam has landed Helen Mirren as a cast member, so awesome. Yeah, Uh, I saw that too. Really cool. (laughs) And then the one that really got my attention in terms of casting news was uh, for the movie Black Adam, 
Pierce Brosnan has been cast as Dr. Fate. Yeah, I saw um, that as well. <laughs> I think I think he'll be good. What do you think? I think it'll be awesome. I just was not expecting that. So it kind of like really kind of knocked me over. I was like, whoa, look at that. Especially uh, a big name actor like that, because we've talked about on the show how, um, you know, certain actors, it seems like they want to have their face uh, showing for a good percentage of the movie. You know, when you got into these bigger name actors, like I can think of Will Smith and Suicide Squad, like you barely saw the uh, Deadshot mask of the whole movie and you know dr fate is a character that's required to be (laughs) in a mask the entire time he's in costume otherwise it doesn't make sense so it definitely is really interesting casting but like i said i think it'll be good yeah um i agree so let i can't wait so i'm just i'm honestly like black adam i'm excited to see that movie but i'm also like i feel like dr fate's the thing i'm like the most excited about for that movie. Yeah, you never <laughs> thought you'd see that character in live action. And I just think the way the uh, Dr. F- Dr. Fate's uh, helmet works is such an interesting concept. I hope they can bring some of that to light in the movie, because I just think it's a really cool. It, there's just some really cool lore around the character of Dr. Fate. Correct so. me if I'm wrong, but didn't they do Dr. Fate in Smallville? Um, They probably did. I honestly can't remember, though. They, okay. I feel like they did every character in Smallville. At some no, point, I, but just, yeah. I know they had, I know in, um, in the Arrowverse, yeah, uh, they, I, they had Dr. Fate's helmet. Yeah, I, I do remember show, that. But they, they didn't go any farther with that. And I know in the Constantine show, you actually saw Dr. Fate's helmet. Um, and then I just thought, I'm pretty sure, and it was probably a one episode thing, but I thought they actually had Dr. Fate in costume on screen, uh, in Smallville. Um, but I don't, my memory is kind of lapsed on that show a little bit. So yeah, yeah, um, same, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, are you ready to talk the list tonight, man? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, sweet. Ryan, uh, it is list time. So do me a favor and roll the thing. for the top five. Okay, uh, so Peter, um, it's time to do our list tonight, and it's also time to review the Snyder Cut uh, film itself. Um, so this is going to kind of all be rolled into like one big ball. I'll do our best to like drive through the game like we always do, but um, uh, let's, first off, before we even give any picks, do you have honorable mentions? Yes, I have two, actually. Okay, I do not. Um, because I knew it was, I knew I was reviewing the film, so I didn't set aside any specific honorable mentions. Um, but in all seriousness, how about this? What is um, what's your first? What's your thoughts on the movie? Just oh, man. Thoughts, like it's it's hard to know where to begin. Um, I thought this was awesome. I enjoyed the movie immensely. Um, it's it's one of those things where. I remember watching Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and I loved both movies, but both of those movies were uh, I had to watch those movies multiple times to pick up on all the um, I guess people say plot holes, but all the things that I might have missed and, uh, you know, make sense of everything. And I think this movie, I, I don't think I have to do that as much, but at the same time, I do feel like I need to watch it a lot more to process everything. Um, but I mean, visually, the movie was amazing. Uh, I think there's just some really cool concepts. I think pretty much all the characters were handled really well as far as um, giving them good backstories, as well as just 
you know, giving everybody their moments on screen. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, the other thing I was going to say is it's the only thing that I think the only disappointment I had with this movie is that this isn't the movie that we saw originally. This isn't. I wish that this was the first version of this movie that I saw because, you know, it's there's so it, this movie is so much different than the Whedon cut. But there was a lot of scenes that were, you know, that Whedon um, either messed with the color grading or the speed on certain action sequences and stuff. And there was a lot of moments that were recognizable in this one. And that was the only thing was just there were certain parts where I was like, oh, so that's where that scene goes. And it took me out of the experience one for a second while I was thinking, oh, that's where, uh, you know, that's how this ch- scene was changed in the weed and cut. And that was my one disappointment is there was just moments like that that kind of took me out of the movie. And it's just because this wasn't the first version we saw. And it's just it makes me wish that's what we got. But I mean, overall, I loved the film. Uh, it was great. Uh, what did you think? Do you have any thoughts on it? Um, I absolutely I am in absolute awe and utter amazement at this film. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I have to agree with something Kevin Smith said in one of his podcasts. Um, He said that um, because he gave a very early review because he got to actually see it like a week ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, He said that he goes and watches Marvel movies. This is a film. And it's interesting to hear him say that because there is this weird degree of the difference between a movie and a film. And it's a bizarre fine line to cross, but it's almost like film is a word reserved when you're talking about art and a movie is reserved for when you're talking about a fun story that you got to watch on a big screen. Um, And when he said that, I was like, that's a really interesting way of putting it because I 100% agree with that statement. Um, The, uh, the movie overall, um, like I said, I am in absolute awe of this. This movie is going to be studied and it's going to be taught in film study classes and not necessarily because of the proper way to tell a story or the proper way to use camera work. This is going to be something that's going to be scrutinized because of studio oversight, because of the things that happened with the director changes, because of the stuff that happened with the Internet, because we got two versions of the film. The movie was technically reshot, like all this stuff's going to go in. This is going to be something that's going to be studied and dissected and like heavily discussed for years to come. Um But this movie is gorgeous. It's like splash page after splash page after Mm -hmm. splash page. And then you throw in these like niche comic book like moments. And like, of course, (laughs) Ray Fisher was pissed off. He was cut out of the Joss Whedon one almost altogether. Cyborg is one of the most important characters in the story. Um, Flash wasn't a bumbling idiot. Flash had these really great touching moments. You cared about every single character in this movie, top to bottom. And it was just, it was a complete, absolute masterpiece. Um, four hours certainly did not feel like four hours. Um, and that being said, as of the recording of this show, I've watched the Snyder Cut three times. Um, nice. <laughs> I don't know how many times you've watched it, but literally like every time I started, I get my kids like, are you watching this again? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, so I've watched it one and a half times. Um, I wanted to watch it more, but it's one of those things like, uh, 
I my wife really likes this movie too, so we've been trying to watch it as much as possible. But she <laughs> she always wants to start halfway through when they finally um, reawaken yes. Superman yeah. or bring <laughs> Superman back to life, which I think is pretty funny. And it's true, like all like some of the best parts are at, you know after that happens. But I still like I need to watch it like the full way through more. Yeah, that's the thing, um, though. Like yes, you want to jump to certain scenes, but you're like, but the lead up to this is so good. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah. Like I always want to watch my favorite one of my favorite moments of Batman versus Superman is that warehouse fight when Batman takes on all the thugs when he's rescuing uh, Martha Kent. But the lead up to that is so good that I just want to watch the whole movie. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But no. So the movie is just an absolute masterpiece. And um, I I just want more. Um, And uh, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I cannot wait to watch Justice is Grey. Uh, that dropped on HBO Max today at the, at the time of this. So it's today is March 25th. So Justice is Grey released today, which is the black and white version of the film. Um, the reason that is important to me as a uh, film student, as a, you know, being as a, as a writer and all that stuff, that was how Zack Snyder originally wanted to release the movie was in black and white. Um so in the deal that he struck was I'll release the movie, but you got to let me release the black and white version as well. So, um, <laughs> that's yeah, great. So, um, so when you I've watch seen... the, so when you watch the one trailer, it's an in black and it's in black and yeah. white that, so that was why it was in black and white. So we're getting a black and white version. So I can't wait to watch that version too. So I've seen a lot of, uh, Snyder fans on Twitter and other just online outlets and stuff talking about how even man of steel and Batman V Superman, like they're like, you really should watch these movies in black and white because they're just amazing. And Zack Snyder, um, like, I mean, I know there's some people who like him, some people hate him, but you can't deny just visually how amazing of a filmmaker he is looking at just like his visuals alone. And this guy, he knows lighting. Like he does some really incredible stuff with the lighting in his movies. And it's actually like, if you pause like certain scenes from like Batman V Superman, for example, there's like certain parts where just the lighting is so well, like I know there's this one shot of Batman. Uh, it's like Batman's face while he's in the uh, Batmobile and just the way that the the light from his dashboard and all his computers and stuff are reflecting on his face. It's just like a really stunning image. And it's one of those things that I haven't found um found in a lot of other filmmakers actually. But with that in mind, I think it's like, it makes total sense that like these movies would work so well in black and white, you know, because Zack Snyder does have that dramatic lighting and all that. But I'm, I'm also kind of torn because I really like his use of color as well. Like I love how Zack Snyder will use muted tones a lot, but then all of a sudden once like a bright color comes into play it'll be, it'll have some sort of meaning. Um, like I always go back to like Batman V Superman. Like there's a lot of not super colorful scenes, but then once you have a scene where some character is dealing with kryptonite, like that kryptonite glows like super bright and it's just such saturated color. And I just love the way that he uses colors like that. So that's a bit of a tangent just about Zack Snyder visuals, but it all factors into the justice's gray uh, cut of the film or however you want to phrase it. Like it makes absolute sense. Um, I definitely want to check that one out at some point as well. Um, so yeah, 
I don't know uh, if you had more to say about Justice's Gray or. Uh, I have, I just haven't watched it yet. I just wanted everyone to know that they did do this. So when you turn on your HBO Max and you go, "Why are there two Justice Leagues? What is this?" It's yeah. the black. It's the same movie. It's just black and white because that was how Zach wanted to release it, but the studio said he had to do it in color, so he released. So they allowed him to release both. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's why we're getting the two, and it was like a week later that we got that. So. Um, awesome. So, Peter, how about this? Uh, we're going to be talking about this all night if we don't get to the list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is. So let's actually talk about the list. So I don't have honorable mentions, and you're going to understand why when I get to the last one. Um, so clarifying the list, um, I believe you said it was the top five Snyder Cut moments, correct? Yeah, just moments from the movie. Because And, it, and even, if it's a job, even if it's a part of the original theatrical cut that was extended out, that you're like, God, the scene, you know, that's totally fine, too. Um, so, yeah. Okay, because that's why I have two honorable mentions that aren't really moments, but they're more just aspects of the film. Oh, yeah, then um, go ahead. And then my so my first one is just the score in general. Um, so Junkie XL did the music for this movie, and he also did the music along with Hans Zimmer for Batman v Superman. And I just think he did a really amazing job with the score, um, reusing some of the best parts of, um, you know, some of the best themes and just parts of Hans Zimmer's scores from the movies that came out before. Like I liked hearing like his use of, um, you know, parts of Man of Steel and. Uh, uh, especially once that uh, Lex Luthor theme comes in toward at the yeah. towards the end of the film, like that was just that's a really haunting uh, theme, and just the way it was used in this movie was so good. But it, um, I, no, oh, what, it, I this is something about the score because I I really get into um, uh, instrumental music and yeah. uh, film scores. Like I listen to them a lot. Like people are like, you really drive around listening to film scores? Yeah, I do. I have them in my car, <laughs> and I listen to them all the time. Um, the Lex Luthor theme in Batman vs Superman that you hear in Justice League um, is the Superman theme from Man of Steel in reverse. Oh, that's why I actually never knew that. That's yeah, really it's, crazy. It's, it's the exact it's the exact theme in scene theme in reverse, and I was like, that is nuts. Um, so. <laughs> that's a really cool concept for. Uh, superhero movie soundtrack that's really cool um oh i was gonna say the one moment um and i mean this we'll we'll probably talk more about this later but the one moment i think the score shined so well is um at the end of the film when uh when the flash is, uh, you know, he's running around, um, in the Russian city to try to charge up enough electrical energy so that he can, um, you know, run up to cyborg and give him that energy to help se separate the mother boxes. And, uh, the flash gets shot, uh, by one of the parademons and he, he kind of goes through that, like he has to try to heal and then he has to run at the speed of light and uh, kind of do this as fast as possible before it's too late. And the music of that sequence, I just felt like emotionally, it just hits you so well. And it's just like an amazing if you if you haven't watched it with this in mind, rewatch that scene and pay attention to the music because it just flows so well and it hits you so hard. And it's just really just a really impressive combination between visuals and uh, music and a motion picture. So uh, what we we're going to say. No, that's I, I just it was more of an agreement with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And uh, they um, they and that was something that scene was something that was actually requested to be removed from the movie by Warner Brothers. 
um, because they didn't want uh, they didn't want the Flash to be doing time travel. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, the, clearly, well, it's, you didn't it's one of the clearly you don't read comic books. Um, <laughs> it's one of the most um, suspenseful parts in like a comic book movie that I think I've ever seen. So that is that is wild. But it's uh, going to be very very difficult to talk about this movie and um, not compare it to the Whedon cut or. Um, talk about some of the negatives that Warner Brothers had against it originally. So we're gonna, I'm going to do my best to not be negative because we're really talking about something we love. And but it's going to well, break. You know, it's it's going to be hard. So we we've talked about the Whedon cut before, and like we both like the Whedon cut, but obviously we like this version better. So um, and like our show, I, we're not. Oh, what we're gonna say? I just to piggyback off what you said. I'm never watching the Whedon cut again. <laughs> No, I absolutely agree. But OK, I, I guess I should say up until now, we liked it, but we just knew there was this better version we could have gotten. Um, but I, I know our show doesn't exist to uh, trash talk or anything like we don't want to, you know, be throwing shade at Joss Whedon necessarily for this whole podcast. But, um, yeah, it is going to be hard. But I guess personally, I don't want to be just trash talking the whole time necessarily. Right, right, right. But um, uh, I can move well, into my next. Well, oh, that? Yeah, your next. Yeah. Moment. So this is another one, not a moment, but more just an aspect of the film. And that's just Steppenwolf's design. Um, I just loved this version so much better than what we got in the theater. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again like this. Steppenwolf design looks otherworldly and it looks like something I've never seen before. And it looks alien and it's just it has a presence. And I just think it's just. He looks intimidating, but he just looks weird and memorable. And I just really loved it. Um, before watching this movie, I did watch uh, Man of Steel and uh, BVS Ultimate Edition last week. And uh, I was actually pretty impressed because I remember there's the scene at the end of Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition when uh, Lex is in the uh, Kryptonian ship. And I don't know if he was t communicating with Steppenwolf or the ship was just teaching him about Steppenwolf. But there's that scene of Lex, who is in the sort of uh, he's in the sort of water tank uh, situation. And he's he's like shoulder deep in water. And there's that big Steppenwolf image right in front of him. And uh, I just remember I was just surprised rewatching that and seeing how that Steppenwolf design from Batman v Superman is exactly the same as Snyder's Steppenwolf version uh, from this movie. And I was like, you know, because I knew it was similar, but I didn't know it was exactly the same. So I just thought that was really cool to actually go back and be like, wow, they they must have had this design since BVS. You know, I thought yeah. they would have revised it slightly but no it's exactly the same that's awesome and not only that they literally start the movie with the end of batman versus superman which is incredible just in terms of carryover because man of steel ends batman versus superman starts with the ending of man of steel yep justice league starts with the ending of batman versus superman so it, it's just the, it's just the carry through man it's the the, the trilogy we were meant to have um yes. And if you will, it's, it, you know, it, uh, yeah, I'll get into that later. I can um, I can piggyback back on that um, and say something that I kind of just noticed while talking about this uh, just in our discussion just now. But all three of those movies have a very similar structure to them in that for the first half of each movie, there's maybe one or two action scenes, but it's a lot of buildup, like a lot of plot buildup. And then once you get to like the third act, it's like nonstop action till the end. And it's every single one of them kind of has that sort of um, 
not outline, but it has it mimics each other in that way. And it kind of makes it for a really good trilogy, along with how, you know, like you said, the first scene of or not technically the first scene, but the first big action set piece of BVS mimics the end of Man of Steel and uh, the same way with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. So that's Dude, awesome. You said that you said that you preferred the theatrical cut of BVS over the extended edition. Now watching them all together. How does that sit with you still? Are you still, yeah, you know, the cut or are you kind of leaning the other direction? I, I am leaning more towards the ultimate edition of BVS. And uh, that was actually before I saw the Snyder cut with this watch through. I think I just appreciated it a lot more. But one of my favorite parts of BVS was watching it multiple times, like watching the theatrical version multiple times before it became it came out on DVD and trying to piece together everything that we didn't see on screen. And so once I saw the ultimate edition, some of that stuff, I think it made it a little bit too obvious <laughs> and oh. like less, a little bit less of a puzzle. So I was like, Oh, I think I like the theatrical cut version better, but rewatching it. I think, I think ultimate edition is definitely the way, way to go. Right. Um, well, good. I'm glad you're coming over to my side. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you're, um, honorable mention there about Steppenwolf's design is going to carry into my first pick, and that's just Steppenwolf together, all together Steppenwolf. Um, the design, yes, amazing. His costume, his suit doesn't stop moving. Every yeah. time you see him, it is in constant motion, and it's incredible to look at. The CG in this movie is perfect. It's pixel perfect when they show you up close when they show you zoomed in when they do anything with the cg it is unbelievably perfect in a way cg has never been before yeah uh, you gotta and and look especially the scene where steppenwolf like like when he has to take all the when he makes the suit go away so he can bow in front of dark side the up close when you see how close you get to that if you're watching it on a, like I am watching it on a 4K TV, so the clarity is ridiculous. But when he like, you know, when you get to see how close you get to the skin and stuff, it's nuts, man. Um, yeah. But Steppenwolf design one thing, but Steppenwolf as a character, Steppenwolf's story. This version of the film, I was like, I, I felt for him like he had an yeah. actual story arc. I cared about Steppenwolf, not just. Not just like, yes, he's the villain and I should hate him. But when you get that, he has this moment of like sadness because he's like, I just want to go home, man. Like, mm -hmm. well, Darkseid let me come home. And they're like, no, you betrayed him. This happened. You still owe him a debt, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and you can see like the hurt and remorse. And he's like, fine, I got this. And he kind of turns over like he looks like he's going to cry when he orders the parademons to go after the mother boxes again. Um, yeah. It was incredible just to see that. I'm like the emotion you were able to get, not from that, but me as an audience member to care for that character. And that's something that I really just it was so cool that I was able to get that just from the first viewing. I'm like, oh, man, like Steppenwolf's awesome. Like and now <laughs> like in, in repeat viewings, I'm like, oh, it's another Steppenwolf scene. And I'm like all in like, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, I, I also I would say that uh, surprisingly, just his facial features and stuff, they were able to make that character emote so well. And that just factors into like you can feel for him. But his facial expressions were just spot on and just very believable. And it kind of felt like I don't know if I and it's kind of it's kind of weird because it's weird to say like you connected with Steppenwolf at certain points, but you really did. And I feel like it's 
one of the best jobs of making a CG character emote like that since maybe maybe Gollum in Lord of the Rings. I'm not really sure, but they just did a really oh. good job. Uh, I, I'm totally in agreement with Ste- overall. They did just did such a good job with Steppenwolf from his backstory to his design to his CG. Like it was just great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just Steppenwolf just got it's so good um, this time around anyway. Um, what, so this news, the news I have for justice league is going to be rough because we're going to be praising the movie for hours. So I'm going to, I might save some of this for next week, if that's all right with you, because the justice league stuff is going to get crazier and crazier. We'll talk about some of it. I'll probably save the majority of it for next week. (laughs) Okay. What's your first actual pick of the night? Okay. So my first actual pick, we actually talked about a little bit ago and that's that first scene that starts with the end of Batman V Superman, where, um, you know, it starts, I almost want to say it was like the first shot of the movie where it just, it shows that close up of that spike from uh, doomsday's arm going through Superman's yeah, chest. Yeah. And, uh, it just has that slow motion sequence of them stabbing each other and Superman, screaming out in pain at the top of his lungs and seeing the sound waves from his scream reverb reverberate across the entire earth and how the or the Amazons heard it and the um, the Atlanteans heard it and how I don't how referring to just the Atlanteans and them hearing it. I think it was the mother boxes hearing it. That's how I got took it. Like that scream was waking up the mother boxes. I saw so I saw it as both. So when I watched it, my original reaction was this scream, it was showing like the reactions of all these people who either heard the scream or could tell like something crazy just happened. And I say that because they did show reaction shots of different characters when that sound wave, if that's how you want to phrase it, you know, reverberated past them. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't till I like, I realized it had something to do with it, but I think later in the movie, they reiterated that this awakened the mother boxes. And that's kind of when I grasped that. And that's, this is another thing where I've watched the movie at this point, less than you. So I might not be remembering every little bit, but I just thought, first of all, it's awesome that they started the movie the same way they started Batman V Superman with the last scene of the previous movie. Like it was great, but also um, just the way they visualized that, like that was such a cool way to visualize someone's death and their scream. And it was kind of this, like the shot heard around the world sort of event that took place. Like I've, I don't think I've ever seen a movie kind of, portray something that way so i thought that was just really impressive i was just really cool reference. i was just going to mention the shot heard around the world or the scream heard around the world yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so i mean that's about it it's a short moment but i just thought it was just a really captivating way to start the film yes um so yeah no the opening of the movie was incredible um all right so my sorry yeah, I just I don't really know how to add to that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> um, it's just it's the carryover from like film to film to film. It's just it was so it's just so well thought out, and that's the and that's such such an important part of it. All right, so my next one I'm going to bring up is um, Flash um, as a whole. Um, <laughs> Nice. Well, just, <laughs> no, I, I just laugh because it's like these are my favorite moments. These are well, my favorite characters. <laughs> well, no, because like Steppenwolf, had, like it was just every moment Steppenwolf was on screen. Like for Steppenwolf, for example, like the scene in Atlantis when he's attacking the Atlanteans, and it's he's they they shot it like a shark attack. Yeah, 
And like, there were up close shots of his face. Like he's a shark in the water. And that was, just, yeah. it was so brilliantly how they did that. So, you know, these moments and you're just like, yeah, but when, when it really comes down to the moments, I'm like, everything with Steppenwolf was phenomenal. You know, well, that, mean? that's that, uh, that Atlantean fight scene with Steppenwolf. That's a, uh, I saw an animatic of that that was leaked like a year or two ago. And it was just kind of this thing where it was like, this is before we knew the Snyder cut was actually going to going to be released. Oh. But it was this sort of thing, like, look at what this fight scene could have been and how weed and ruined it sort of thing. And right. I remember even the animatic, like the uh, all the CG characters were still really primitive looking like nothing was fully developed. But I was still like, man, Steppenwolf looks frightening and intimidating and just weird and just so cool, you know, and I was just really impressed just from a really basic animatic of that scene. But uh, no, back to the flash. Uh, what? What? No. Yeah, tell me about the flash. I Ezra Miller, when we watched the other cut of the film, I was really like not sure how I felt about him, the flash. And I was totally in straight through. Like, it was just fantastic watching him handle like when you like the scene the scene when he rescues Iris uh, from the car crash is and they didn't really say her name, but she's Iris West and she'll be a part of yeah. the flash film. But that just as an example, that scene, it was like tear jerking. It was incredible to watch. It was like this hero moment. Um, and he wasn't even in his flash costume. He was just being the good citizen nearby. And it was just and it, it yeah, ended with that funny moment with the dogs with the hot dog and everything. But. It was still like this just touching, like charming moment, but it was like, that's what heroes do, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then you roll in the scenes with the going back in time. Like if you notice in the Whedon cut of the movie and I, and I don't remember the, I don't, I don't like it's so, and I don't remember how close they got it, but in the Whedon cut, they talk about how he's got to hit the mother box and the mother box has to hit the water at the same time he electrifies it. So yeah. he's got, and they talk about that in dialogue. That's not in this version of the film. He just mm -hmm. says he's going to have to like pick up the speed and hit it. So if you watch the Whedon cut, it's touch the mother box as it hits the water to jumpstart Superman. Um, Cause they even say that jump, like jumpstarting a battery in the Whedon cut. Cause they changed the dialogue in this movie. He just tells him what he's got to do. The flash has, if you look at it, the mother box hits the water. The flash is going so fast. He reverses time to charge mm -hmm. it up. And it's seeing the flash go back in time. That is carryover for the flash film. They made sure things were there. We know we're dealing with the multiverse. We know we're dealing with time travel. We know we're dealing with possible dimensional travel. That's carryover. It's world building. Um, and it's incredible that they paid attention to that source. Um, and then you got, um, and then the same thing at the end when he's got to like sort of reverse time where everything it was it's like they lost and Flash is like no 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 I got this and he's racing and everything's piling back in front of him because he's running everything back into place so like they can continue, um, mm -hmm. and that's so it's just I cared and you know when he hits the ground and he's like I got a heal I got the wind knocked out of me you're like no kidding you got the wind knocked out of you like that wasn't a laughing <laughs> moment there yeah. was. It's like Whedon took it was like Whedon was instructed to do a make a Marvel film out of a DC film and they wanted humor put into it. This movie had some comedic moments, but they were so light. Having the serious tone, treating it like a piece of art 
treating the source material so perfectly serious, it made this movie a masterpiece. It made it a film, if that makes sense. So having these moments with the Flash, he didn't have to be a bumbling moron like he was in the Justice League, in the in, in the Whedon cut. In this version of the movie, he was a smart, thought-out, really well-put-together character. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, he he was definitely still eccentric, but it was in a very realistic, uh, more subtle way than the original cut of the film that we saw. Um, it was just a character you could take seriously. And he wasn't like he had his eccentric, goofy aspects, but it wasn't like out of the realm of believability. And I think the humor in this cut of the film actually hit me harder because there's not as many jokes, but when the jokes do come in, they actually made me laugh a lot more. Um, I, I struggle a lot with certain movies cause there's a lot of, uh, comedies and even superhero movies where I, it sometimes feel like they're trying too hard to make you laugh. And I felt like all the humor in this movie just felt extremely natural. Um, overall, um, we kind of matched on this drew, but not quite, but, uh, I really enjoyed the flash in this movie as well. But one of my other picks was the flash introduction scene. And it's that scene where he is, you know, he's at a, uh, you know, a job interview and there's that crazy uh, truck accident and he saves uh, Iris West. And that whole sequence was just like a really, really great way to uh, introduce the character. And it brought a lot of spectacle, but it also wasn't, there wasn't a lot of crazy actions that needed to be taken and there was no fight scene to it. It wasn't like it was kind of a really way to make a super spectacular moment as well as making like a sort of really quiet romantic moment at the same time. And that's kind of the genius of that scene in general. Um, I really liked that the part where he grabs the hot dog was hilarious, but it was also like I liked that that was a payoff later. You know, it was he was grabbing the hot dog to feed the dogs afterwards. And it wasn't this sort of just random, um, you know, and like, I love de the Deadpool movies, but it wasn't like a random Deadpool moment where it's just like, he likes hot dogs because it's goofy. It's like, Oh, it's hilarious that he grabbed a hot dog, but it's actually going to pay off later. And it's, it's like, a, it was just a really smart joke. You know what I mean? So I really liked flash in this movie and there's a couple moments that I'm going to talk about later on as well. But yeah, I didn't know if you had more to say about flash or if you wanted to move no, on to anything probably, else. Drew. We're probably going to bring up flash later when we talk more. So, <laughs> um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about my next pick for the night is the nightmare timeline. Okay. Um, awesome. So I have been wanting to know more about that nightmare timeline since uh, Batman vs Superman, because that's one of my favorite sequences of the movie is seeing that nightmare sequence uh, where the idea of uh, and this is kind of like the nightmare timeline predicates. There's two parts to it in the Justice League film. Uh, but in Batman vs Superman, the idea that Superman has been taken over by Darkseid and has well in the Batman vs Superman version, you just think Superman's taken over the planet um, mm -hmm. and, and someone else is like burned the Omega symbol into the desert and destroyed the cities and stuff like that. And the, the war, the, the giant ships are destroying things. So you get like a sense that something horrible happened in this movie. Cyborg has a vision of the fall of everything. And he, um, and when cyborg has his vision, um, 
it's it's interesting to see because you see the destroyed uh, Hall of Justice. You see the dead Kilowog down at the bottom. Dude, Kilowog was in the movie. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Kilowog. Yeah. Um, but uh, seeing the destroyed Hall of Justice with Kilowog, you have Superman floating there holding Batman's mask. Um, you have the, the ships in the end laying waste to the glassing the planet, if you will. And then you jump later at the end of the movie and you get back into that nightmare timeline uh, with Nightmare Batman with the trench coat on, and he's got a whole new Justice League. First off, you get to see Flash in that future suit um, that he was in in Batman vs Superman, yep. and back in time to tell Bruce Wayne about Lois is the key. You got to see that uh, Deathstroke is on the team now, even though clearly something happened between Batman and Deathstroke because of that scene with Lex Luthor. But now Deathstroke's with Batman in the end in the Nightmare timeline. Um, you get Cyborg, he's with the crew, but Mira is in the Nightmare Timeline, and she's pissed because Aquaman's dead. And then the other thing, that uh, just a, it's something subtle, and I don't know who else noticed it, but Mira's holding, she's carrying around jugs of water. And I don't necessarily think it's jugs of water because they need water to drink. It's because Mira has aquakinesis as a superpower, and she doesn't have water to use her superpower. That's great. In a, in a desolated, apocalyptic world like that, she needs the water for her superpower. I was like, oh, my God, it's not necessarily just a drink. Um, <laughs> it was just that nightmare sequence was awesome. And then seeing the Joker um, and him being a part of that, that scene, that line of dialogue, that whole questioning, it was fantastic. Um, the one thing that kind of bums me out about that, and I found out this later, here's a piece of uh, news for you. Um that scene, uh, we live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Isn't that right, Batman? That line was ad-libbed and filmed just for the trailer. Um, that's, he, uh, that's a good call. Um, I didn't realize that till now, but yeah, you're right. I was, I was waiting for that line because I love that line. And the whole line of dialogue was something completely different. And I was like, it was such a great scene, but... That line uh, that we live in a society line, it was directly put in there for the trailer and it was ad-libbed by Jared Leto. He's like, I got an idea for a line and they just ran with it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, and then because of that, I'm going to bring this one up. Uh, I pulled this up so everyone can kind of understand. Uh, I almost because we're dealing with the uh, because we're dealing with uh, the nightmare timeline and it's all predicated on Darkseid finding the anti-life equation. I almost fell out of my chair when they said anti-life on TV. Uh, <laughs> when he's like, it's the anti-life equation. I literally almost fell out of my seat. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I sat up so fast. Um, the anti-life equation is a mathematical formula that provides the futility of existence and, and free will. In the wrong hands, the formula is a terrible weapon, weapon with the power to brainwash and enslave entire worlds. Um, and that's what Darkseid was directly after. And the coding for the anti-life equation was written in the soil of it, written into the soil of the planet itself. Um, and that's why he wanted um, the planet. So, yeah. And it's it's one of those things where I've heard people um, complain about like that not being explained in the movie. But I mean, the movie like just if you watch the epilogue seg segment, this movie is setting up crazy amounts of sequels that could come out of this. And I don't know if they'll ever see the light of day or not, but I mean, you have to, you have to think of this the same way that I said about Batman V Superman. This is a part of a whole, you know, there is, this is a part of a story, but there's more story to come. And like I said, I don't know if any of anything will come of that, but 
you know, they're they're going to explain what uh, the anti-life equation is going to be in, you know, a future film, or at least that's at least how they set up this movie. So I think people need to keep keep that in mind, you know, with some of this stuff, like certain things weren't completely explained. But, you know, Dark Side's looking for the anti-life equation and you know that it's going to f some stuff up for lack of a better term and that's probably really all you need to know right now you know this is a looming threat and you're going to learn more um uh yeah i don't know drew i don't know if you had more to say on the nightmare sequence or if you wanted me to move into my next go ahead ahead. well we kind of matched on this one as well but i actually just specifically said jared leto's appearance as joker um and i just thought that uh you know I I enjoyed him in Suicide Squad, but we only got a taste of that character. And it was really cool to see him uh, in this new, you know, see him in the Snyder Cut. Like, it was just really cool to get more of that character and maybe more of a uh, I kind of like a subtle more of a subtle performance than we got in the Suicide Squad. You know, like he's still pretty he's still completely insane and taunting Batman and stuff, but he's not, you know, holding up his tattooed smile hand and doing like a little dance to like taunt taunt Batman or anything. You know, it's more of a subtle, just like his dialogue was very um, well done. And he just played that character a lot. And he was like very intimidating while also having that sort of weak, vulnerable Joker charm to him as well. And I just thought that was really well done. But of course, the uh, all the nightmare sequences were just badass. And it's like I've said, we haven't seen that whole story fleshed out, but it's kind of cool to see that there's a continuity with that story. And uh, what we got in Batman v Superman from that nightmare timeline was just a taste of really what was to come. And, you know, we got a little bit more of it uh, this time. And like I said, I don't know if any, you know, future Snyderverse movies will be made. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, it could be a pipe dream at, dream at this point. But I loved that. We're going to get we're going to get so. to that shortly. Um, and and that, that that's what that's what I, I had a feeling. Um, I did want to ask a question because, Drew, I know you've watched this a little bit more than me. All the nightmare um, premonitions or, you know, visions of the future nightmare timeline happened around things to do with Flash, I feel, except for Bruce's nightmare in the epilogue scene. Is that accurate? Um, they, they like well, like I, I feel I feel like the first vision came when uh, the Flash was trying to charge the mother box. And then the second one happened uh, when they were in Russia, when he had to run faster than the speed of light to get to Cyborg at the end. Yeah. And then the other. Well, well, that's also like the fact that the Flash had to go back in time and warn Bruce to in Batman versus Superman. So in a way, I can see what you're saying. So, yeah, I think so. But it was also like the 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 nightmare timeline is also an alternate timeline because the Joker said it himself when he said the phrase in how many timelines and how many multiverses um, do you not see this as your fault or whatever that like whatever that line <laughs> is and you're just like oh my god did you just say multiple timelines did you just yeah. say multiverse on screen like that god you know they were yeah. so smart to do certain pieces of it um, well I'm I'm glad you brought up the uh Batman v Superman part when the Flash uh time travels to communicate with Bruce and Bruce gets that night nightmare vision. Um it's a really cool consistent uh thing that's happening with the Flash where 
you know, when he time travels or speeds up fast enough to, to cause time travel, it causes these, these visions of the future to, uh, be realized. And it's kind of, I like that that's a consistent thing, you know, that what happened in BVS does make sense in the continuity of this universe. You know, it's not, everybody just thought it was a weird scene that didn't make sense. And the more we see from the Snyderverse, the more it makes sense. And that's just, uh, it's just really awesome. Uh, I think I was going to say something else, but I can't, I honestly can't remember. I'll probably remember it later. So uh, you can go on with uh, whatever you wanted feeling, to say. I have a feeling <laughs> this isn't going to be the first night we talk about the Snyder Cut. Uh, <laughs> so the next one I want to talk about, um, and this is a, this is a touching moment in my opinion. Uh, this is a moment that this is a hero moment. This is a character moment. This is a moment that you don't get, like real, you don't get enough of, I think. Um, and it's the, can I be like you someday moment? Um, mm-hmm. it's the beginning of the film, the wonder woman just saves all the kids. First off, that was a much extended version from the Whedon cut. Um, yeah. And the Whedon cut, her standing on that statue in the Whedon cut, the statue looked like it was a cartoon and this movie, it actually looked like a solid piece of like, either a set or an actual statue she was standing on. I was like, wow, that's way cleaner. And uh, I think that comes with Whedon messing with the lighting and the color too much to make everything bright. But then, you know, right. it, it did turn things, you know, a little more cartoony, as you said. So uh, go on, though. Yeah. Anyway, but that moment she saves all the kids and then a little girl goes, can I be like you someday? Diana's response where she says you can be whatever you want to be is kind of irrelevant. It doesn't matter what she says at that moment. The point of that line is you have this little girl who is looking up at a hero at an idol and realizes I want to be like you. Even if she can't be a superhero, I want to help people. I want to save lives. I want to be like you. Like it's that moment where you look at a fireman and say, I want to be like you or I want to be like or or you look at a teacher or a policeman or you look at anyone who's like inspired you in any way. And you say, can I be like you someday? That was such an important, such touching moment. It's the one moment in the movie that I definitely had like jerked a tear back um, just because of how it caught me off guard. Um, Probably single handedly one of my favorite lines of the film. And it hits so hard, so close to home, so early in the movie, too. So that's just that moment for me. So, yeah, no, that that was a beautiful moment. And the uh, the action sequence that took place before it was just great in general as well. Like I remember watching uh, this watching this movie with my wife and uh, when that scene came up, Uh, And we were watching it and, you know, we were watching we were paying close attention to the movie. But at the same time, we were commenting a little bit about how certain scenes had uh, changed from what we had seen before. And uh, when that whole Wonder Woman bank action sequence uh, started, we were just like, well, this version's a lot, (laughs) a lot better. (laughs) And it was just I don't know. It's just though the action scenes of this movie, like every every time somebody takes a punch or, you know, every hit that a character takes, you can just feel it and it holds so much weight. And it's so, it just feels very extreme and very uh, intense. And I just really appreciated all the action scenes in this movie. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Should I move into my next? Yeah, pick? go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So my next one, I don't know maybe the official term for this, but I called it Superman's return fight sequence. And this is right after they, 
uh, you know, bring Superman back to life and the crazy fight sequence in, uh, you know, at the Superman monument. Um, I just thought this was this was an amazing scene. Um, I mean, there's great moments with all the characters. Um, I was just talking about that Wonder Woman fight scene and how, you know, different, you know, different characters getting hit in that fight scene. And you can just feel you can feel the impact of it. And I feel like this scene holds that true. Like there's that great part where Superman grabs Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman headbutts Superman. And then he lifts her up and headbutts her straight into the ground and uh, it smashes up some concrete. And you can really, when that happens on screen, like that was, that was in the weed and cut, but this time just the sound design and just the way you could just feel that hit more. And I, cause, cause I remember watching it and, and at that part I was like, dang. And then, uh, my wife was like, you've already seen this. I was like, yeah, I know, but it just hits so much harder this time. Uh, but the, t- there was actually <laughs> really seen this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, but that, that, that hit just, it just hit so much harder this time. Uh, but there was, uh, there's actually two moments that really stood out for me, uh, in this fight sequence. And the, the one is, uh, the part where is Flash versus Superman, you know, Cyborg, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are kind of holding Superman in place. And Flash starts trying to run around to uh, Superman's backside. And he was going to, uh, you know, join in the fight as well. And, you know, it's that it's that great scene where Flash is running (laughs) behind Superman and you see Superman's eye move. And uh, Flash just has that real realization that Superman can move almost as fast as him. And he just starts to freak out. And then uh, what we didn't see in the Whedon cut was kind of a lot of the uh, sort of back and forth uh, fighting between Superman and the Flash after that, where Superman was like, you know, running the Flash into the different columns and stuff like that. And uh, it was just it's hard to explain without seeing it, but it was just such a cool way to shoot a super speed fight scene. And it's. I don't know what else to say about it besides that, because it's one of those things where if you haven't seen it, I don't know how to explain it, but they just did so well what it would feel like if you were moving that fast and you're fighting against somebody who is almost as fast as you, but way stronger than you and just how that would play out. It was just, it was beautiful. And, and I never would have thought of, you know, a scene being that way, but it was just so well done. Um, and Drew, I don't know if you had any comments on that specific part or if I should mention the other moment from that whole scene that I really loved, but, um, no, that, that seems it's fantastic. And there's something I noticed in this scene and I don't know if you did, um, but when there's a, there's a brief moment where flash has a second, he's pinned up against that, like, cause that monument is like the Superman statue and like the list of names on the, yeah, almost like the Vietnam wall from the people who died from Man of Steel, from the destruction during Man of Steel. And there's a moment where Flash has this, he's got this moment where he can pause and look up at Superman. It's quick, but if you pause it, there's a part where if you pause in the right spot and you look at the names right next to the Flash's head, you'll see the name Ben Parker. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that on Twitter. I I don't know. I don't know if that's meant to be a Spider-Man reference or not, but it kind of made me chuckle. Um, and yeah, it it has to be right. But I mean, it's possible that it's not. But I mean, I feel like it has to be. But that's just so funny. And it's just yeah, I don't even know what to think about that. But it's just awesome that it's there. And it's just a really funny um, Easter egg. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen it like uh, 
the screenshots at least being shared online. I haven't paused the movie myself at that part. Oh, but, no, uh, I yeah, have, definitely. Really I have funny. paused the movie myself at that part. So uh, <laughs> I knew it was coming and I grabbed the remote. I'm like, OK, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> nice. So, um, um, so does that bring me to my final pick of the night? Oh, that, sorry. There was just one other part of that whole fight sequence I wanted to mention. Uh, sorry that I'm kind of going on and on. No, not at all. Um, but so there was a moment when uh, so at the very end, uh, Superman is walking towards Batman and uh, he starts floating, flying, out, you know, floating up in the air. And he's about to uh, I think he's about to heat vision Batman. And it's just one of those things like Batman is pretty much help, helpless at that part. And that's right when. uh Lois Lane walks up and uh, she's the one who, you know, she starts saying Clark, Clark. And, you know, he he stops and then they fly away. And this this a similar there. It was pretty similar in the weed and weed and cut. But I think I took more notice of it this time. And I don't know if it's just because I watched BVS the night before, but it's just like how. Right when uh, in Batman v Superman, Batman is holding the kryptonite spear, you know, right above Superman's throat and he's about to push down and he's about to kill Superman in their big fight scene. And Lois comes and she's the one who stops Batman from doing it. And just how that scene was echoed uh, in this new Justice League scene. I just thought that was just a really cool moment that, uh, like I said, it was in the Whedon cut, but for some reason it hit harder at this this time. And I just noticed it a little bit more this time. So, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Well, so my final pick of the night, and you're going to laugh when I say this, but um, my final moment of the Justice League itself was the Snyder cut as a whole. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I know that's kind of a cheat to say, but when I was putting my list together, I'm like, no, the whole movie's fantastic. And it literally and I'm not kidding when I say it left me in a state of awe and like just wonder at the movie itself in terms of like putting that together, putting the script together, the screenplay, the camera work, the getting the cast you get what you wanted. Um Wishing that that was the Justice League we originally got, I would have gladly sat four hours in a theater for it. I did watch this in one sitting. I didn't break it up. Um, my repeat viewings, I have broke it up a little bit where I've watched like an hour here and there. But it was just incredible to see. Um, and I, I just basically have to end it all on the fact that this movie is absolutely amazing. And if you haven't seen it, if you literally seriously, the statistics show that so many people have watched it. But if you haven't seen this movie yet, you really need to be rushing to see this movie. And I highly recommend you watch Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman ahead of time um, because of the story threads carried throughout. And it was clearly meant to be a trilogy. It was clearly meant to set things up. And it is clearly a co um, cohesive from beginning to end Superman story trilogy from Man of Steel to the end of the Snyder Cut. It's a Superman story. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just awesome. So um, the Snyder Cut as a whole, we're gonna, we're probably going to be talking about this a lot. It's going to come up in several conversations. If you listen to the show, we never let anything die because we keep talking about things over and over again. So, um, yeah. Um, um, because, yeah. Oh, I could I could just add to that. Um, I have a friend who uh, really immense who I've you know, I haven't talked to a lot of people yet about this movie, but one of my friends really enjoyed this movie and he wasn't necessarily a big fan of uh Man of Steel or Batman v Superman, but he thought this movie was really good. So definitely check it out, even if you you know weren't the biggest fan of uh, the previous two films. Like it's definitely worth watching. You know, this is a whether you like it or not, this is a benchmark superhero film. So 
you know, if you're a superhero fan, you should watch it regardless. But uh, I mean, we love it on this podcast, you know, obviously. So, um, yeah, I guess I can move into my final pick, which isn't it's not as all encompassing as yours, <laughs> but it definitely is a big part of that of the movie. And it is that final fight sequence in Russia um, where, you know, they're raiding the, um, you know, the, the nuclear um, reactor sort of uh, base that Steppenwolf, fought, uh, you know, set up and uh, they're fighting parademons. And it's just an awesome, epic final battle scene of the movie. I think they did a really good job of uh, giving each character kind of like their their really good highlight moments, you know, um, you know, the Flash obviously had a huge part in just the res resolution of the movie in general but you know there's the there's you know this certain parts where aquaman is you you know that you got that like couple minute sequence of aquaman just taking out parademons left and right and batman has this epic batmobile chase and you know <laughs> cyborg is flying around and knocking down buildings and killing parademons left and right and i remember i remember watching that scene and thinking for a second like wonder woman wasn't just wasn't getting enough play in this in this fight sequence like when is wonder woman going to have her moment but then when it comes to cyborg uh, aquaman and wonder woman all facing you, you know you know uh, all fighting against steppenwolf wonder woman really held her weight the most out of those three characters in that fight scene and she had kind of the best moves in that scene and i was like okay awesome wonder woman is kicking ass now that's great um and this this whole fight sequence was just that whole last battle sequence was amazing but this is another one where there's two moments that really stuck out for me in this one as well and that's the part that we've already talked about where the flash gets shot by the parademon and he has to focus on uh healing really fast and then he has to run to cyborg as fast as possible while messing with time because he's going faster than the speed of light and he has to get there just in time to save the world essentially that just that whole sequence, I've already talked about the music, but the way that all played out, it really was one of the most suspenseful parts of like any superhero movie I've ever seen. And it was just really well done. Uh, the other part that really stood out for me is just at the very end um, when the boom tube tube opens and there's that sort of silent um, acknowledgement between Darkseid and the Justice League. And uh, like we'd seen Darkseid in the, uh, you know, the nightmare sequence future visions. But this is the first time that the League had kind of seen him in person. And, uh, you know, there's no dialogue, but you could feel the presence of both the Justice League and dark side himself. And he felt so intimidating. And, uh, I've, I've seen a screenshot being shared around where when Superman looks over at dark side at that part, um, he, Superman kind of has a smirk on his face. because <laughs> it's, it's this sort of thing like Steppenwolf's defeated. We've separated the mother boxes. What are you going to do? And I think it's kind of like, it's funny because Superman's like that much of a badass that he has a smirk, but it's also this unknowingness that, the Justice League is still screwed because Darkseid's coming to Earth and they just kind of maybe to an extent aren't knowing, you know, the threat that's yet to come. But just that sort of uh, that boom tube separating them and the the way that both uh, sets of characters acknowledged each other and the presence of Darkseid at that part of the movie was just amazing. So, um, yeah, it was really those two parts. But just that final fight scene in general was just awesome. Nice. Well, the um, 
Justice, the Zack Snyder's Justice League is the second highest rated comic book movie of all time on IMDb, next to The Dark Knight. Um, so oh, that's, just, that's awesome to have two DC films in the number one and number two slots. Um, the uh, um, I don't, you know, we're on this like crazy like high. I'm gonna save the Justice League. Um, Snyderverse um, news for next week. And I only say that because it's going to get crazier as they go. Uh, this weekend, there's a big movement about trying to crash uh, HBO servers and trying to get as many people to watch Snyder Cut at the exact same time. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think it'd be just smarter to save it for next week because we're on this like high of how amazing the movie is. And I don't want to talk about some of this stuff. I just I thought about it as we were talking. I'm like, you know, I'm going to save it. Um, so we'll talk about some of that news next week when we can uh, extrapolate so, a little so, bit more. And so I, c- I can say something quick as uh, I actually this past weekend was a little bit busier than I was hoping. So I actually had to watch this movie in parts like I, the first time I watched it, it was in two parts, which I kind of <laughs> I didn't want to do. But it's just I had a lot yeah. going on and it's kind of what I had to do. So I did this thing where I kind of shut off social media for the whole weekend. And so I kind of feel like I'm still catching up on Snyder cut news. Is there a lot of negative stuff that we don't want to touch on or is it just a lot of craziness? So here's, here's, here's a reader's digest version. And then I'm going to read you the thing. So Ann Sarnoff, who is the CEO at Warner brothers is angry that this movie is succeeding. She is angry that the fans are responding the way she it is. She's she's angry that uh, they basically had to admit that they were wrong and they had to basically reshoot the movie twice, in her opinion. Uh, And she's saying that they they will not be supporting any more Snyder films. And that is the end of it. DC will be moving forward with their current slate of projects, which everyone is sitting on the other side of the fence going. That is a massive mistake. Um, If you want to make free money, um, we're talking free money right now, uh, Sarnoff. Um, You're looking at Justice League 2. You're looking at Justice League 3. You're looking at the Ben Affleck Batman film. You're looking at the Cyborg movie. You're looking at a Flash movie. You're looking at a Nightmare Timeline movie. Like, you you literally are, like, printing free money based off of the success of this film. Why would you not do this? And it's like she – it's like Ann Sarnoff thinks that we are – Restore the Snyderverse means cancel all DC products and have Snyder oversee them going forward. What it really means is let Mac, let Zack make Justice League 2 and 3. Let a, uh, David Ayer finish the release of his cut of Suicide Squad and stop screwing with directors and their visions. That's ultimately what that means. Restore the, yeah. Snyder, Restore the Snyderverse means let Zack finish his, finish his story. Give us what we want because we're literally saying um, take our money. We're going. We're going to be there. We're going to show up. And the world is joining you. Um, it does not mean to cancel projects because we want the new Suicide Squad coming. We want the next Shazam film. We want um, the Batman when it comes out. This Man of Steel 2, if it's an Earth 2 Superman, whatever it is, we want that as well. We want all of it. We just don't want to leave what this glorious masterpiece left hanging yeah. is. Um, so and this is the silver lining to this. And I'll leave it at this and we'll save the rest of the we'll save the rest of it for next week because the Internet, like the way it's the way social media is handling things right now, it's nuts. I can't open my phone without seeing a good hundred to two hundred tweets, Instagram posts about this. Um, 
and Sarnoff recently alienated all the Snyder fans, calling them toxic, and told them there won't be continuing the Snyderverse. Here's what's what's important. Calling us toxic, that's where I'm getting, where I got irritated. Um, Anne is the CEO of Warner Brothers. Here's the catch. Jason Kalar is the CEO of Warner Media. Snyder Cut is a product of Warner Media, and HBO Max is a part of that. Warner Brothers never supported the Snyder Cut. They never advertised. It's a Warner Media product. Jason Kalar is a huge Snyder fan, and since Snyder Cut was a success and they spent $70 million for it, we're most likely going to see more sequels. However, they could yes. be HBO, but however, they could be HBO Max exclusives. So, uh, we're not out of the woods yet. We're kind of like sitting here with a let's hope Jason Kalar sees all this because he's a massive fan of this project. So, yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. Um, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, and, and uh, what I just read it right now, it's in rumor stage. We don't know anything more. And Zack Snyder's response to the success is he would be up for doing another Justice League movie. But that the way he said it is like. You're not coming back unless you get the creative control you got this time around. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? I didn't know that I was going to say more, but um, yeah, I mean, and I can throw on a little bit more of a silver lining on there. And that is um, I remember seeing Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and really enjoying those films. And uh, I remember both films being very divisive. And uh, it almost felt like especially with Batman v Superman, it almost felt like the uh, just comic book fans online in general were trying to take. Um, I mean, this is not the best way to say it, but kind of trying to take the enjoyment I had of the film away from me by constantly saying like, oh, it's garbage. It sucks. And it's like, dude, I like the film. Just let me like this film. And the one thing with the Snyder cut, and it might be because I just haven't been looking at the online stuff so much, but I don't feel that level of hate and divisiveness. And it's kind of cool that just like, it seems like in general, everybody's enjoying this movie and we're allowed to like this movie. And I'm never going to be one to say you can only like things that are popular, but it does get to a level where it's annoying, where whenever you bring up that Batman V Superman's your favorite superhero movie that people, you know, react to that in vitriol, you know, it's, it's nice to have a movie that as fans, we all can enjoy. So I guess what I'm trying to say is just the fan, reaction at least that i've seen to this to the snyder cut has been really great and really refreshing and i'm really loving it and i've been kind of outside of the studio politics of all this but uh i'm just enjoying the fan reaction to it a lot is basically well, what i was trying to I, say you I know agree with that and the toxicity toxicity that you meant uh, that you brought up about people like trashing on man of steel and batman superman I'm finding that the majority of the people who are going, oh, my God, the Snyder Cut have completely flipped and 180 their positions on Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. That's awesome. And they're all like, OK, those movies were actually really good. I'm really you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people are sheep and uh, they, <laughs> they will follow a crowd. Um, and the Internet is a perfect example of that. But the biggest issue is the fact that, look, guys whether you're a Marvel fan or a DC fan, we're all the same audience. We're all seeing each other's movies like them or not. These are the movies we're getting. And this, and some of the studios are really paying attention. Um, some of the studios need to understand that we're paying attention. Um, but 
the issue is, is like we're we got superhero gold. If you just look at all the Marvel films, absolute like amazing work that Marvel put together, telling us a huge cohesive story over 23 movies and beyond that. When you look at just the Snyder films, just those three, the storytelling is incredibly epic, incredibly poignant, incredibly it just it's it's perfect the way they laid it mm-hmm. all out. And it's very clear that he takes the source material very seriously. Um and that's and that's what's awesome. Um we're gonna be talking about the Snyder Cut a lot, I have a feeling, as we move forward. We're we're never done with the topic. So let's call it for the night. Do you wanna know what we're doing next week? Yeah, what do we got? So we haven't done a person in a really long time. All right. So uh, we're going to look at Brad Pitt movies. Okay. Um, I just thought it'd be kind of a cool thing to like look at an actor and like what movies we liked from them and that kind of thing. Uh, we, have, we we probably will match a lot, but um, I just realized we haven't done Brad Pitt. So let's do some Brad Pitt movies. So. Yeah, that's awesome. He's in some really good movies and we haven't done an actor in a long time, like you said. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it's it's not really like a original idea, but I was kind of like, you know, we haven't done an actor in a while. And I was kind of <laughs> on to it for a while because we had to back. We had to adjust our list and stuff. So. I'm going to laugh at when one of us says Deadpool, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, um, I'm just I'm just in superhero mode right now. So all I'm thinking about is superhero movies. But, nope. yeah, that would be a great pick. <laughs> Completely understandable. All right. <laughs> Well, let's we got another episode in the can. We're going to be talking about Snyder Cut more. I'll have more on this Internet movement because they're literally when I'm not I'm not kidding. They're trying to get on Saturday, uh, the 27th. They're trying to get as many people possibly to watch the movie at the same time, uh, starting at like 3 p.m. Eastern, I think is what they wanted or 1 p.m. No, 3 p.m. Pacific. So that'd be. I'm sorry. It's 1 p.m. Pacific. So it's 3 p.m. Our time central because we're in Chicago. Right. Um, they want, uh, they want everyone to get on and start watching the Snyder cut at the same time. So it crashes HBO servers so they can see that the influx of people trying to watch the one movie because we love <laughs> it so much. Um, yeah, but it's, and the internet thing is they had before, as of the time of we record, when we started, they had a million plus tweets saying restore the Snyderverse, um, just today because they wanted uh they were doing a big blast on twitter for restore the snyderverse just for today um so um we're not over and you know they can we can say that uh you know the you're just like sweet the success of the movie we're gonna get more and then they're like no you're not and then you're just like all right we'll go back to the old ways like dark side says and <laughs> um <laughs> hashtag restore the snyderverse so um Let's throw this episode in the can, Peter. Uh, let's get out of here for the night. Um, so if you will all do us a favor, check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our um, email, topfivereport at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us. If you do, you won't miss a single episode. And uh, you can leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words you, we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be giving all the latest details about the Snyder Cut of the Topher Grace edit of the Donner version of the special edition of the unreleased 1994 Fantastic Four film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you know your pop culture, that's hysterical. Uh, 
All right. Um, so for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. Uh, restore the Snyderverse. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Restore the Snyderverse.